You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. It's lovely to have your company again, unless of course it's your first time, in which case welcome. My name's David Frizzell and my guest in this episode is Michelle Sales. Michelle has been thinking, talking and writing a lot about confidence. What is confidence? Where does it come from? Why do we lose it? And most importantly, how do we get it back? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michelle Sales. Michelle Sales, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Hi, Davis. Michelle, you've written a really cool book, The Power of Real Confidence. I've got to say, I I do this a lot. I I speak to a lot of people. I read a lot of books for this. I'm a leadership consultant. But you had some stuff in there that was basic that just got me thinking, stuff that I hadn't thought about. You label things in some really nice ways. And more than anything else, you highlighted what real confidence is. You articulated it so clearly, and you explained how powerful real confidence is in our lives and in the way we lead and the way we lead ourselves. I really enjoyed your book. So before we get started, first of all, congratulations on a really neat book. It's uh, It really is a, a quality read. Thank you. That's wonderful to hear. No, no problem. Now let's get into it because for our listeners, they're going to really enjoy hearing the way you articulate all of those things I just explained. So let's just get the obvious question off the table right now. What what is confidence? It's a word that we use so often. It's a word that we we think we recognize. And I think you even said in your book, it's hard to define, but really obvious when we see it. There's something like that. I've just butchered quoting you, but you said something like that in your book. So tell us what real confidence is. So if I can separate the real and the confidence for a minute and get to the heart of confidence, because often people think that of confidence is something that you have or you don't have or that the next person has and that you don't and it's as binary as that but that's not the case in fact for most of us our confidence waxes and wanes throughout our life and in fact we can be really confident you know on the sporting field but then we go to a more senior meeting at work and something happens and our confidence escapes us so we can have confidence in parts of our life and not in others and it's actually confidence isn't something that's, it's about our actual ability to succeed, but it's about our belief and our ability to succeed. So it's a real belief aspect and it's absolutely learnable, which is the most empowering part of all this, I think. And just even in that little description that you gave then, there's so much in that, 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 that idea that we can have confidence in one part of our life, but not in others, and that we can lose it really quickly. We can be feeling on top of the world, but then have a meeting with a, with a senior colleague and get hauled over the coals about something and then walk out of the meeting just doubting ourselves and feeling as though our, our world's been shattered. And we, we all know that. And that waxing and waning of confidence is is so true. And that's that's a really good example, one of those obvious points that you spell out so nicely in your book. Confidence isn't just this, you either have it or you don't. It's not black and white. It waxes and wanes in all of us, but we all have different levels of it, of course. But I did want to pick up on that that idea that because there's more to it than this, that that I can be confident on the sporting field, but not in the office. That may be true, but you also point out in the book that people who have a, a full life, a, a life that is consistent, they are who they are everywhere they go, 
they're people who will take confidence from one part of their life into the others. Absolutely. And that's the real part of real confidence because for me, it's sometimes there's a fine line between confidence and bravado or confidence and arrogance. And the real is this authentic, um, genuine building of our confidence. So we're building confidence from the inside out. And the more we work at that confidence so that we truly feel it from the inside out rather than the fake it till you make it, the more sustainable it is and the more we can take that from one part of our life and apply it across all parts of our life. So we're going to get to that. I I love that inside out things. But you just clarified for me there, when you're talking real confidence, that's not someone who is confident here in this part of their life but lacking confidence there. That's You're talking real confidence as someone who, who holds that together across all parts of their life. Yes, and does it in a really authentic way. Yeah, great. Awesome. Okay, now tell us, why is it so important? What do confident people get out of life that those lacking with confidence don't? So there's often a debate around competence versus confidence. And it's no longer enough for us to just be competent or just be good at our jobs because if we're not confident both in ourselves, but also how we portray that to others, then often our competence can get questioned. So I often work with people who are really stuck on this debate around competence and confidence and say, well, surely it should be enough. And to me, the competence is the ticket to the game, but the confidence helps us to step up to make choices that help us to expand and broaden opportunities for ourselves. Because without that, we do make limiting choices. We make limiting choices about our career, about the things we get involved in, what we say yes to, what we say no to. So without the confidence, it can be quite limiting for us. Does competence always breed confidence? And is, are people who, who are confident, are they always, is that always underpinned by competence? No, not necessarily. I think it's too shallow to think of confidence on its own because that becomes more like bravado. So there needs to be absolutely, we need to be good at what we do. And as I said, that's more to me the ticket to the game and something that is a given that we're confident. But it doesn't necessarily breed confidence. I know people that are really great at what they do, but not confident at all. And how is that so? If people are great at what they do, but they're not confident at all. That, that that's an equation that doesn't isn't equal on both sides. Some of the elements of confidence or underlying drivers are the environment that we work in. So sometimes we work in an environment that really can chip away at our confidence. Perhaps we're working with people around us that question our ability, that don't allow us to have a voice. That can cause us to really start to you know, overthink and uh, have some negative self-talk and that can spiral quite quickly. Some of us aren't born necessarily with confidence genes and uh, and so we have to work harder at that and so it takes more effort to build our confidence that someone might be more naturally confident and optimistic about life. So, and the other thing is the choices that we make every day can build or detract from our confidence. So there's some underlying elements that even with a strong level of competence can detract from our level of confidence. You just mentioned something that reminded me of a wonderful line in your book when we talked about 
confidence sometimes bordering on arrogance or confidence sometimes being interpreted by others as arrogance. But you drew a really neat line between the two. Confidence is a tool, whereas arrogance is a weapon. I really like that line from the book. Yeah, actually, it comes from Amy Cuddy's work. So I really like that. And, and being aware of that and and that's why it's important to be able to have a good level of self-awareness, to be able to be self-reflective and understand what our impact is on others and, and you know, just have a good sense of that inner confidence without having to extend that to bravado or think, I need to look a certain way to be confident because confidence shows up in all different ways in all different people. Well, let's talk about that. How does it show up? What are the hallmarks of confidence? I actually think this is probably a a question that most people listening can answer because although it's hard to define and it might be hard to get hold of, most of us know confidence when we see it. Mm. And in the book, I talk about four elements to that, and that's the ability to show up with confidence, to be able to stand up for what we believe in, our values ourself, our people, to be able to speak up and have a voice and to be able to step up our performance and and what we're involved in, basically. So that, that's actually the core of your message, those four show up, stand up, speak up and step up. So let's get to them now because we'll, I guess we'll, we'll move in between describing confidence and talking about how we can get it if we go down this path. So unpack a little for us. I can't believe I just said unpack. That's a terrible cliche. <laughs> let's let's dig into a little and, and talk about each of these. Let's start with show up. What does it mean to show up with confidence in leadership or just in ourselves as a professional in, or in life in general? Someone who shows up with confidence, what do they look like? What do I feel like when I'm doing that? And I'm really glad you started there because for me, that's the first point and the real starting point because when we're building confidence from the inside out, when we show up and we've done the work to show up with confidence, it kind of gets us halfway there. So this is about really understanding our strengths and what we're great at and what gives us energy and having a really good level of self-awareness around that because when we know what it's like to operate as the best version of ourself, then that in itself builds confidence. The other component of that is really being tapped into what is genuine to us, who are we, what are our values, what's important to us. So if we know what our strengths are, what energizes us and what's most important to us at the core, then we're really centered around who we are at our best and it gives us By the time we're walking in, showing up, it gives us a really good starting point to be confident and clear on what we're about. Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. So presumably, a lot of the people that you work with who struggle with confidence, you've said before that they might be competent in what they do, but they struggle with confidence. What is it about them, their history, the way they're, the way they're programmed, their family life, their professional life, that means that they don't have those three things? They don't understand what their strengths are and, and therefore their weaknesses, 
They don't know what gives them energy and they don't know what's important to them, their own personal mission. How is that missing? What's gone on in, in our lives that we don't get those three things? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, so um, there are many factors to that. And if you're interviewing you know, medical or, in fact, psychology professionals, you probably get different facets of that answer as well. But for my all of my work on confidence, it's there is an element of genetics that plays into that. Yeah, forty um, percent, I believe. Yeah, the the nature versus nurture also yeah. be, becomes part of that. So the family, our upbringing, um, the messages that we get through our upbringing. You know, I, I speak to people that are really confident that go back and say, all through my upbringing, I was brought up with the message that anything is possible. Yeah. So that's the the nurture element. But certainly if that's missing, then you might need to do some more work as you become an adolescent and into your career. So really paying attention to our self-talk, doing actually doing the work to understand our strengths. I was about to ask about strengths. What, why is it so hard for us to identify our strengths? I mean, I, I would think that over the course of a of a professional career, even an early professional career, we all get pretty clear indications of the things that we're good at, the things that come naturally, we achieve well, that we get into the state of flow, uh, that come easily, more easily to us than other things. Are we just not good at identifying those? Do a lot of people not get the opportunity to try enough things where they don't get to find out what they are? I'm really stuck on that because in my world, and I have to say, a lot of your book was reaffirming for me personally because a lot of these things... I felt good when you asked us to ask these questions of ourselves. And I thought, yeah, I, I do know those things. I do understand my strengths and therefore my, and I embrace my weaknesses. I, I know what gives me energy and I know what's really important in my life. And it, it almost baffles me how you could get to any stage of adulthood and not have uncovered those things. And it's really amazing how many people that I ask, what, what are your strengths? Who are you at your best? Yeah. I've not spent the time thinking about it. Yeah, it's just not a conscious thing. It's not a conscious thing. There's no self-reflective practice involved. There's a lot of culture in organisations that focus on development needs. So we know from any positive psychology space that we get much better bang for our buck when we focus on what we're great at. Yeah. Be aware of our development needs to the point that we can pay attention to them, but we're able to really leverage our strengths. And very often in organizations, it's all about listing the things that need development, the areas that yeah. need development and need improvement yeah. and yeah. disregarding the strengths. So yeah, we get caught a- in organizations where the focus is on kind of working on the bottom 20% almost yeah. of what to improve. And we lose the essence of the great conversation that says, you're really great at these things. So how can we have you doing more of that because you get, you're really energized by that and you feel good when you do it and we get you actually perform better and are more fulfilled. That whole concept that the strength-based positive psychology, it's, it's so interesting. Once you start thinking that way, it's hard to turn back and think any other way. I often do an activity in workshops that I run where I, I write a little fake report card for Johnny and Johnny got a um, an A in English, a D in science, and a, an E or an F in maths. And I hold up the report card and I say, righto, parents of Johnny, what do we do? And everyone says, get him some tutoring in maths. He's failing maths. 
And of course, that's the natural response, and it might even be the right response. But the positive psychology, the strengths-based response is to say, hey, Johnny hates maths. Don't make Johnny do any more maths. He's got no talent in maths. Don't invest in maths. Johnny is good at English. Let's get him a tutor in English. Even though he's got an A, let's make him awesome at English. His future is in that field. But it's just not our reflex action as society or or especially in organizations. Absolutely. And my, I've got a, my own story around that. I was never great at English and never had writing a book on any bucket yeah. list I would ever yet do. You've written a lovely book. And yet I've written a book and... I remember writing the book last year and how I decided to structure the writing process was block out my Fridays to write and I would get to a Friday and I knew I'd be procrastinating all week about the thinking of the chapter. I'd wake up on a Friday morning, I'd go to a Pilates class, I'd organize <laughs> to have a coffee with a girlfriend. Before I'd get you know home it's 11 about, o'clock. Yeah, that's right. I'd get home about midday <laughs> and then think, oh, then sit down and play with a few words and at two o'clock think, oh, it's two o'clock Friday afternoon. What am I doing? And, <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> exactly. And my own confidence was being impacted. And generally, I am good at confidence and, and I haven't been overly challenged through my life with it. So, and I'm just, I just knew something wasn't right and I was procrastinating and, and wasn't getting energy at all. So I did a strengths profile for myself. It's something that I use often with clients and I had completed one a number of years ago. And writing came up as a weakness. Wow. And so exactly like your story on the report card for Johnny, my choice was to do I do some work on building writing skills or do I look at where my strengths lie and one of my strengths came up as narrator. Aha, I see where this is going. So what I did was I thought I would sit down and think about what's the essence of the chapter I want to write and what stories have I got to tell about that work. So what clients have I worked with, what's my own personal experience, what other stories exist that tell the story of this work. And so I would start the chapter by writing a story and I'd be, you know, by then about 300 words in and I would be really energized about the story and then the rest of the chapter would just flow a lot more easily from then. So I was able to leverage the strength leverage of the narrator and it gave me confidence and helped me feel energized and good about my writing. That's fabulous. That is a, that is a great story and so relevant to what we're talking about. All right, so we're talking of the first of the four, which is show up. Let's move on to the second, which is stand up. So and just to recap Show up is all about understanding our strengths, therefore our weaknesses, knowing what gives us energy and know what's important to us. What's stand up all about? Why is that number two? I think of stand up in three ways that we're able to stand up for something, with something or against something. And that can play out in all different parts of our life, in our professional life, in our, in our personal life. It doesn't mean we have to stand up for something massive like world peace. You know, we're standing up for something that's important to us in the day to day. But to have the confidence to do that, we need to be pretty clear on what our core values are, yeah. um, what our purpose is, what our why is. You know, what why why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? Particularly as I write in the leadership context, who are we as a leader? And the other important element of stand up is. When we do stand up, because sometimes that means when we're standing up against, for example, 
we might be taking an unpopular voice and we need to have resilience. So standing up takes some courage, takes some bravery sometimes and takes a good dose of resilience so that we can back up and and keep going when we're feeling challenged. Something that's been in the news over the last year or so, almost a year, is that awful story about the Australian cricketers in South Africa and the sandpaper. I don't know if you've come across this, Michelle. You you probably have to be living under a rock to not have come across it. And what it came down to was a young man in the team, a guy that hadn't been in the team long and probably didn't feel as though his place was solid in the team, was asked to do something against the rules, sandpaper the cricket ball to make it swing. And he just did not have the confidence to stand up against that. He didn't know where he stood. He he didn't get where his energy came from. He didn't feel as though he belonged solidly enough there to be that voice that stood up against the idea that someone else had. And as you talked there about the strength it takes to stand up, it reminded me of that because it doesn't mean that he's a bad guy. It just meant that at that moment, at that time of his life, at that point in time, he didn't have what it took. He didn't have the confidence to do it. That's a brilliant example and very current given uh, media <laughs> this week and um, yes. and the report from Cricket Australia. So I think that's a, it's an excellent example because sometimes it does take real courage and bravery to stand up. But if we're not centred on those values of ours and clear on that, you know, we can be standing up all over the place and, and as a yeah. leader, if, if that's the context, can come across as really inconsistent. Yes, yes. And, and, and a little dramatic. If you find yourself standing up, as you say, all over the place inconsistently, it can also appear very dramatic and, and unprofessional and it's very difficult to take that seriously. So that's why it's so important to do the first one first, to show up and understand what is important to you, to understand where you get your energy from and what you believe in so that when you've got the confidence to stand for something, with something or against something, it's consistent with who you are. Definitely. Wonderful. All right. So we've covered show up. We've covered stand up. The next is speak up. What's that all about? Speaking up, there's a number of elements to it, but primarily where I find most of the work in this is about finding your voice. So we do that in terms of also having the right level of presence and therefore impact. But mostly in terms of confidence, I see people that are challenged with having a voice in the right forums, having a strong enough voice. I see it particularly as people and leaders step into more senior forums, so where there's a power question of finding their voice and being able to speak up. But how do you find, where do you get the confidence from? To speak up, where do, where do you? I mean, you, you've said in your book, it's not a case of faking it till you make it. It's a case of bringing real confidence. So, where do you get that from? If you know you're in a position, you're you're at work, you might be at a certain level, and there are things that you should be saying in meetings, but you just don't have the confidence because of the other people in the room. You might be intimidated by their seniority or their expertise or their time in the organisation. How do you make that first move? Yeah, there's uh, there's a number of different tactics to it, and people have different confidence issues around that. So maybe it's about finding your voice in a really busy, crowded meeting where it's hard to get your voice in. Maybe it is about being spoken over. Maybe it's about knowledge. And I often find that um, what holds people back is as they've come up through their career, 
they've spoken up and had a voice based on their subject matter expertise and then all of a sudden they go into a more senior role and they can't be across everything anymore and they lose confidence because they don't they're not across every single detail so it really depends a little bit on the context of why it's challenging to have a voice but generally I would say there's a number of tactics that help you find a voice that work across all of those contexts Um, one is to prepare to speak and what I mean by that is very often we're madly busy going meeting to meeting all day long we've run all day it's 3 p.m we go into a really important critical meeting that we need to have an opinion to be able to have a debate to be able to find your voice and we haven't spent the time thinking about it we haven't thought about how we're going to have an impact we haven't spoken to key people before the meeting to know who's got our back and therefore have the confidence to speak up with some strength. Or have the time to digest the information that you learn at the last meeting or the meeting before that. It's a common theme here on this podcast, that ridiculous notion that the more senior you are in an organization, the more likely you are to go to from back to back to back meetings, which just absolutely kills the opportunity to do what you're paid to do, which is to think. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and as you say, that's linked with the confidence to speak up as well. Definitely. The other thing that I find often, and sometimes this can apply more to women than men, is the language that we use when we do speak. So very common is using the word sorry, overusing the word sorry. Yeah. And just and other limiting language yeah, as I we just enter. Wanna, yeah. yeah, as we yeah. enter a sorry, conversation. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just my perspective. Or sorry, can yeah. I say something yeah. here? Yeah. And when we're apologising before we even speak, yeah, then yeah. we tell the room how to treat us. Yeah, don't take me seriously. That is something that I am so aware of when I hear it come out of others. And you know the the other one that's very much aligned to that, the cousin of those is someone who'll start a presentation or, or start speaking and say, oh, I haven't had much time to prepare. Um, some of these slides aren't very good or, or just telling me before mm-hmm. they start, hey, you're not going to like this. And they're, they're doing it from a position of lacking confidence and, and wanting to set the bar very low. But of course, what it does is the audience is just now expecting it to be bad. You've just told them. You're not just giving them permission. You've told them to think badly of what you're about to present. Yeah, absolutely. And so confidence, it's got two parts really that you've just raised there. It's actually about feeling confident and being confident, but it's also about portraying the confidence so that other people see it as well. Yeah. But then again, you make that point really well in your book. It's not about showing fakeness, you know, faking it till you make it, putting on this bravado or this outer shell. It's just demonstrating that real confidence that you've developed by the other things that we've talked about, knowing your strengths, knowing where your energy comes from, standing yeah. up for things, knowing what's important. Great. It's all connecting. Now, we're quickly running out of time, Michelle. I'm going to ask you to talk through Step Up, and then I, I just want to finish with some really clear advice or, or steps that people can take that can help build confidence in all of us. So let's cover the fourth, first of all, which is Step Up, and then we'll get to a, a few bits of advice from you. I love the saying that what got us here won't get us there. And for me, that's the essence of step up in life. But if we we just put a professional lens on this for a minute in our careers, in our leadership, 
what got us to this point in our leadership and in our career is not going to be what gets us beyond here. So having the ability to reflect, to um, have the right relationships and sponsorship and mentors, to be thinking about our personal brand and what does it take for the next step up in our in our careers and in our life is really important. And it takes reflection and time out to think about that. Yeah, that's that's great. What got me here won't get me there. We we must continually evolve. And and that that juncture in a career that, that happens to so many leaders when we move from being a technical expert to being a leader. That is the point that it's almost make or break for someone. If you can let go of your technical expertise and think, okay, that, that being good at doing that thing got me into this senior position, but being good at doing that thing is not going to make me successful in this senior position. I've got to learn a whole new set of skills. I've got to evolve here as a professional. And that's, as I say, a crossroads that almost everyone comes to as a senior leader. Absolutely. All right. Now, Michelle, before we go, We've talked about show up, stand up, speak up, step up. We've talked about what real confidence is. We've talked about what it looks like in others. If I'm sitting here thinking, look, I I know confidence is an issue for me. I know it waxes and wanes, but I let it wax and wane too much. I let little things dent my confidence, which makes me think, is my confidence built on a house of cards to start with? All of those things are running through my head. What can you tell me to help me calm down and take a view of this that is going to help me build what you call real confidence, that thing I can stand on that will get me through tough times and help me shine through good times? Well, can I say read my book? (laughs) (laughs) You can say that. that, Good start. That's the easy way out. I think of building confidence like building a muscle and we don't go to the gym and start lifting 80 kilos and expect that to be easy. And so- Like confidence, it's the choices that we make every day. It's what we say yes to today that we might have said no to yesterday. So small choices make for sustainable change as it relates to building confidence. So start thinking about what you might say yes to that you might have been unprepared to before. It was a lovely theme that came out of all of the interviews I did for uh, with senior leaders for the book and inevitably every one of them when I asked them what do you do when you're stuck when you find your confidence lacking they all said to pull themselves out of that they asked themselves what's the worst that can happen yeah. and so yeah. just that reframing in the moment to be able to help you to step up and out when you feel like your confidence has waned is really helpful and there's just one other funny story that that I've been replaying for the last couple of years that came out of a leadership workshop that I did. And it was a client who said, if you're a Seinfeld fan and saw the episode Opposite Day. Right. Can't recall it. Where George said, if everything in my life hasn't worked, then surely if I do the opposite, then things will work (laughs) out okay for me. So if you are challenged by speaking up, then have some fun with it and speak up early in a meeting if typically you wouldn't say yes to being involved in a project or you know new leadership opportunity, have some fun and say yes. So jump in, take action. Do a less. George Costanza. Absolutely. Have an opposite day. That's Absolutely. A, that's a great advice. That is a nice story. And look, Michelle, that's a really nice way to end it. Thank you so much 
for coming on the Team Guru podcast. I really enjoyed our chat and I really enjoyed your book. It's such an important concept. I actually can't believe I haven't come across it so explicitly before. Confidence, real confidence and how to get it, what it means. Well done, Michelle, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, David. And that was Michelle Sales. I love her passion and I love the topic, confidence. We all know how important it is, the difference in ourselves when we don't have it compared to the giant we feel when we do. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Michelle on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru forward slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.